The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. It does matter. It does matter. Today, Sissy, I wanted to tell you a story about a little guy that I worked with years ago. He, his name is Timothy, and he um, was with the school district in early childhood special education, and then his mom pulled him to go to a private ABA uh, therapy center. And the center was um, someone's garage back in the day. Um, So uh, he received ABA therapy from kinder through fifth grade. And he came back to us in middle school in sixth grade. And Timothy was a hard kid. He did a lot of rolling on the floor, a lot of running away, rolling away. He would run out of the special education classroom and into a general ed classroom and pull kids' hair. Um, He would disrobe a lot. He would run out sometimes out of the classroom and disrobe. He would also stand on top of ant beds and Mm. disrobe. Yeah, it was tough. He was a tough kid. And one day he came to school and he was covered in bruises, the shape of a hand. He had his eyes were, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this, but have you ever seen a kid who's the white of their eyes are red? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really sad situation. Uh, Mom had a boyfriend at the time and um, the mom said that he fell on the fireplace and she said that they had taken him to the ER. And so the nurse asked for the medical release papers from the emergency room and she was not able to produce them. And so the nurse called CPS and mom got very upset and accused the paraprofessional in the classroom of hurting the boy, hurting Timothy. So we moved that para to a different classroom, even though she didn't do anything wrong. You know, mom was pretty mad and we just did what the campus did. I shouldn't say we, the campus did what they thought was best. And so what he would do is he would roll on the floor and that would cause carpet burns. And so we were trying everything we could do not to let him roll on the floor. And so when he got on the floor, he would just go limp and it was really hard to lift him up. And so the autism specialist, Cheryl, And the teacher and the para would just kind of block him to prevent getting the carpet burn. One time while they were blocking him, he put his hand up the teacher's pants Mm -hmm. and the teacher blocked that hand. And then his other hand went for the teacher's hair. And so Cheryl, the specialist, used CPI to block his block, the hair pulling hand. And, you know, he was just a really tough little guy. He was a great kid. I loved him. I loved this kid. One time he, there was a sub para and he pulled off her wig, which was horrifying. One time I was with him and he ran out of the classroom. Well, he, he rolled out of the classroom, really. And we were just trying to protect him. And so we were kind of just, you know, blocking, blocking. And then he got up and he ran and he ran into a gen classroom and he pulled a little girl's hair. And the teacher was so sweet. He was like, 
you know, boys and girls, it's a beautiful day. Let's go finish this lesson outside, you know? And so we got Timothy into a rolling chair and, you know, this is back when I used to wear heels a lot. And of course, Susan's in her heels, pushing this rolling chair, trying to keep this kid safe, getting into the classroom. It was just, you know, a nightmare. If there were cameras on in the hallways, they would have, the people watching would have been laughing. But anyway, what worked with him is that we'd had a four-sided work area. We um, used doorknob covers to prevent him from getting out of the classroom. We would use a blanket to cover him up and get him back inside. There were rolling chairs. We used rolling chairs a lot. We used close proximity at all times. And then we allowed him time on soft surfaces, like a fuzzy bean bag and things like that. So, Sissy, whenever I think about Timothy, I think about what did that look like when he first came to middle school? And I was telling somebody else this story and they asked the same question, you know, what did that look like in the beginning? And what it looked like was a ton of pairing, a ton of pairing. So, you know, we used edible reinforcers to pair with him. We used time on the floor to pair with him. We used his favorite toys. We used everything that we could think of to gain instructional control. So the instructional control, you know, it was limited, but the teacher and the para and the specialist did have some level of instructional control. But, um, you know, he was a tough kid. And and it's a really sad kind of story because toward the end of the year, there was a, a male paraprofessional in the classroom and he had gotten his training and background from criminal justice. And one day he was observed covering Timothy's mouth and holding his nose. Oh my gosh. So needless to say, he was immediately terminated and the district ended up sending Timothy to a non-public day treatment center only because, you know, mom, there was just a lot going on and we thought that was probably the best thing for Timothy. And, you know, the teacher was a great teacher. She was amazing, but she was a first year teacher. You know, and it was hard. It was hard. Um, But everybody loved Timothy so much and we didn't want him to go. But we just the district felt like that was the the right thing to do. But, you know, in the beginning, like I said, there was just so much pairing, just trying to get instructional control. And, you know, I think that's a good story for people because we didn't start out having the expectation that Timothy would sit in a chair and do his ABCs and one, two, threes. Right. The expectation was just to sit in a chair, (laughs) you know, teach you know, prerequisite skills, imitation, following one-step directives. And, you know, he he would do that. But if he had any ability to get, roll on the floor, he would do it. And so we had to have, you know, a four-sided work system with an adult kind of right next to him as often as humanly possible. So anyway, it's kind of a sad story, but I wanted to share that because I think a lot of people you know, they get tough kids in their classroom and they immediately think, you know, we've got to teach these teaks. We've got to teach the Texas essential skills, Texas essential knowledge and skills and the standards and all of that. And that's not where we start with a lot of our kids. We have to start with just teaching basic, following one-step directions. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to pair yourself with tons of reinforcement so that he wants to be with you. Right. And you think about, there's so much in that story when I think about his behaviors, you know, rolling on the floor, running from the room, putting his hand up the teacher's uh, pants leg or grabbing her hair or pulling off someone's wig. I mean, we, for kids on the spectrum, I mean, you know, like from a neurotypical person's point of view, oh, those are socially unacceptable. 
Yeah, if you're socially aware, you understand. (laughs) Right, right, right. Behavior. He didn't have the social awareness to even understand that. He is reacting. I mean, so it could be, you know, the rolling on the floor could have had maybe a sensory function to it, but it could have been escape, get people to leave me alone. So many of his behaviors were that way. And interestingly that you said that, you know, when they did an FBA, they realized that his behaviors were multifunction. And that's that's tough because um, his behavior was attention and escape. And so it's really hard to do interventions designed around attention-driven behaviors and at the same time implement interventions that are designed around escape motivated behavior. And that's where, you know, the behavior game gets challenging because we talk a lot about, you know, functions of behavior. There's four functions of behavior. And it sounds so easy, you know, until you get a kid who has multifunction behavior like him. I mean, and that happens to us frequently is that the behavior does, you know, he is sometimes it's for attention and sometimes it's for escape and sometimes it's for sensory, you know. And and so now I would guess one of the things that I would say before I have a problem behavior with kids, I would be teaching them how to ask for a break, yeah. how to ask for the things they want, and then yeah. how to access the sensory pieces that they need. Your story also demonstrates the idea of if you lack communication skills you are at much higher risk for yucky things happening to you. Absolutely. If at some point there was injury that he couldn't explain, you know, when his eyes were red and he had bruises on his body. And if it hadn't been for staff seeing that para be inappropriate with him, he wouldn't have been able to say, hey, somebody was inappropriate with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a woman on TikTok who has a, a brother who lives in a group home um, who has Down syndrome and his roommate was nonverbal and nonambulatory until she took over his care. I may have already mentioned this. I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast, but um, I follow her all the time and it, it like, it breaks my heart and makes me want to jump for joy at the same time. Right. Because when she went to the doctor with this young man, whose mother had passed away and she took over guardianship for him, she said, I don't understand all these meds. This looks like chemical restraint. If there's no medical explanation, I want them taken off. And they took them off. And he's walking and he's talking. And now he's telling us <sighs> bad things that have happened to him. God, it gives me goosebumps. It really does. I mean, I, I think about we, we are the protector. And when I say we, I say any adult who sees a child who needs protection. If you are a volunteer in a school. Yep. And you know, you witness something. The only way sometimes is that someone says, Hey, help this make sense to me. You know, that being said, I will say I've had plenty of parents of kids on the spectrum who say CPS has been called on me because when he's playing in the backyard, he screams and yells, you know, and I can remember saying to that parent, I I see your son daily. I know that there are no marks on him. If you need to see the CPS up here for me to tell them how precious he's dressed every day and how neat and clean he is and that there's never been a mark, I'll be happy to do that. So I'm not saying every time you see something weird means a kid's being abused, but um, thank goodness for staff that spoke up about the para. And honestly, it, you know, thank goodness that the district went ahead and said, OK, what what will it take, mom, for you to be comfortable? You know? Yeah. 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 So kind of a 
kind of a bummer story, but I think it it's a good story for our listeners to hear and to think about and to, you know, really be aware and meet, really be observant of what's happening in classrooms or in home or, you know, anywhere with yeah. kids. And one of the critical pieces you talked about is backing it up. You know, when, when he did get to the classroom, backing it up and not worrying about is he pointing to, you know, his letters, his words or whatever, but can he sit when I ask him to? And um, can he look at me when I ask him to? So, you know, creating fun activities around being with you. <laughs> yes. I was just meeting with a teacher who is teaching three and four and five-year-olds. And we were talking just about that, you know, like, don't worry about ABCs and one, two, threes. You've got to get them in the chair and you've got to teach them to sit and you've got to teach them to stand and teach them to look at you and teach them imitation skills and prerequisite skills, following one-step directions. And, you know, and, and Timothy was a sixth grader and we still had to do the same thing. And the only way to do that is to pair yourself with reinforcers so that he wants to be with you and then use reinforcers to teach those skills and behaviors. So anyway, do you have a question for us today? I do have a question related oh, to the pairing and the instructional control. So which of the following is false with regard to instructional control and pairing? A, pairing can help establish instructional control. B, instructional control can help with pairing. Mm -hmm. C, pairing is required for instructional control. D is instructional control is required for pairing. Okay. E is B and C only. F is C and D only. And G is B, C, and D are all false. Oh, gosh. Isn't okay. that exactly how some of those test questions Yes, it, it's exactly how the test questions do things. Um, okay, so we know that pairing can help with instructional control. Yes. Um, you really can't. Instructional control really doesn't help with pairing because pairing helps instructional control, establish instructional right, control. Right. So B is false. Right. Pairing is not required for instructional control. It's it's a great way to gain instructional control, but it's definitely not required. So that's okay. false. Instructional okay. control is required for pairing. So that's not true. So the answer has to be B, C, and D are false. Is that right? Yes, that is true. That is the right answer. Um, yeah, I you want pairing is a fun way to get instructional control. But um, you see sergeants in the Army all the time get instructional yeah. control without one bit of pairing. <laughs> That's right, exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, well, listen, guys, um, we were hoping to have a team on this week from one of my school districts. Um, you heard John Lou speak in the past, and we were going to have his team that he works with, a teacher and a specialist. They had to reschedule. So we are really looking forward to having a follow-up with Ms. Tricia Lund. Next week's episode, I have asked her to talk with us a little bit about sexual and gender identity issues in people with autism, because I'm seeing more of that in classrooms this year than I ever have. So I thought she'd be a great resource to pick her brain about those topics. So we hope you have a fabulous weekend. And as always, please like, subscribe, share, or comment on social media and or rate and review us on the podcast app that you are using. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. And we will talk with you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.